Before we get started, uh, Senator Roth, why don't you take a second and introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell them a little bit about uh, your district and also what you did before you were elected to the state Senate. Sure. Uh, My name is Senator Roger Roth. I represent the lower Fox Valley, Appleton, Nina Menasha, and then the surrounding towns and villages all the way out to Winnicott. It's a perfect dichotomy, I think, for the state of Wisconsin heavily manufacturing, heavily in the paper industry, and like everywhere else in this great state, uh, we love our Packers. (laughs) So um, before I came to the legislature, you know, I'm a blue-collar small business owner, uh, born and raised in the home building industry. My grandfather moved to Wisconsin in 1952 from North Dakota and brought his family with him, my father, um, and I'm a third-generation uh, just following in the footsteps of my father and, and his father before. Uh, it's a perfect, I think, way to to go to the legislature, having that background and understanding with people who build our state each and every day. These are the guys, and it's it's great for me to remember that that uh, these folks now that I represent uh, who come home at night with their backs sore and their fingernails dirty, these are the kind of people that we got to be looking out for. Uh, every time, each and every time that we go to the floor and pass legislation. Um, and in addition to doing that, I'm a captain in the Wisconsin Air National Guard, deployed to Iraq in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom uh, several times in the prior decade. Uh, and I just take all that experience with me. Uh, the highlight, of course, of my life today happens to be my anniversary, married 10 years to my beautiful wife. And in those last 10 years, we've had five amazing boys. Uh, and that's my life. It's very busy, but it's beautiful. Congratulations on the anniversary. Thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, recently, the Wisconsin Department of Revenue made an interesting determination. Can you talk to our listeners uh, about what that determination was and its impact on Wisconsin? So last week, Friday, the Department of Revenue decided that they were going to ignore the interpretation, the new interpretation from the IRS in how we tax these PPP loans. So let's go back to last March when, you know, the COVID was first coming to our shores and and, and governors across the country were shutting, as ours did here in Wisconsin, shutting our businesses down, telling these guys that they can't operate. Well, Congress, I believe, did the right thing, and they provided these business owners a lifeline. And the conditions that they gave them were that they had to keep their staffing levels, which was good. That meant that employees were getting paychecks. They were paying taxes on those paychecks. These people weren't going on unemployment. And in return from in return for that, the intent from Congress was that there wouldn't be tax liability on these PPP loans. Now, somehow, it's only someone who is in the deep state out in D.C. could understand. The IRS ignored the intent of Congress and they ignored the intent of President Trump, and they came out with a ruling in the summer that says, no, we're going to treat that as taxable. So then when Congress came out with the second round of coronavirus relief in December, a Republican Senate, led by Mitch McConnell, a Republican President Donald Trump, and a Democrat Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, all agreed that we shouldn't be taxing these PPP loans. So they forced the IRS to have the interpretation, which they now have, And our state government decides that we're going to ignore now the will of Congress and a Republican president. We're going to ignore now the interpretation of the IRS. 
and for the sole goal of making sure that they can bring $457 million more dollars in state, into state government for Evers to build his budget on, they're going to go and rely on an interpretation from the IRS from the summer that's no longer being applied. Any idea how many businesses this impacts in Wisconsin? Yeah, it's incredible. It's 90,000 businesses, small businesses, mainly, all across the state of Wisconsin uh, that, that went and did the right thing. They took these loans with the understanding that if they followed the rules, uh, they would be forgiven and that they wouldn't have tax liability. And if we don't make this change, these guys are going to be stuck with the tax bill on April 15th. And $457 million is going to be coming out of their pockets so that Tony Evers can use it to pay for expanding other programs across the state of Wisconsin. And it's just not right. And, Brett, let me just illustrate it to you this way, because I think for your listeners this might help make sense. As I mentioned before, it was a Republican Senate. It was a Republican president, Donald Trump. And it was Nancy Pelosi, who I think we could all agree is a Democrat's Democrat. Like, she's no conservative, she's no friend of business, but even Nancy Pelosi could recognize that this is a bad thing to do to struggling businesses. Tony Evers and the Wisconsin Department of Revenue are to the left of Nancy Pelosi on this. How crazy is that? And that's why it's important for the state uh, legislature to step in and to rectify this problem. And the good news is that there's a bill... You know, periodically, um, this, you know, some listeners might, we have two tax codes, really. You have a federal tax code and a state tax code, which is why when you pay your taxes, you pay federal taxes and state taxes. We, we realign those periodically. The goal is to make those as close to possible so that it's easier for individuals listening to file their taxes. So we've got a, a bill moving through the legislature, Senate Bill 2, which seeks to kind of rectify both of those tax codes on a number of areas. And I've authored an amendment to include the tax, uh, how we tax the, the PPP loans and how we allow businesses to deduct those expenses. If we're able to get that done and get that in and the legislature adopt that, we will be able to protect those businesses. And, and I think it's so crucial and so very important that we do this. Because if we don't, these struggling businesses and these aren't like your, you know, your big successful uh, Fortune 500 companies. I'm talking about your bars and taverns, in restaurants, mm-hmm. in hair salons, in hardware stores in your hometown that Governor Evers mandated that they close because they weren't essential for much of this year. And their business has been hampered all along. This is us coming to them and giving them a lifeline and helping them out because they did the right thing. Has Governor Evers uh, publicly said why he thinks this is the right idea, why this is uh, why this is warranted? He has not. All we have is his Department of Revenue, and they put on their website last Friday uh, their interpretation, and they, they literally said that they're going to ignore the new federal guidelines and they're going to revert to a federal interpretation that's no longer being applied. So that's what they've said, and they've let us know what they're going to do. All I can tell you is in reading between the lines, the governor right now is in the process of putting the budget together. 
and he's in the process of, you know, uh, next month he will be coming to the legislature and unveiling what that budget is. My guess is that he wants to take $457 million out of the back pockets of struggling small businesses in Wisconsin, 90,000 of them, so that he can spend it on his great ideas for expanding government programs in Wisconsin. It's been such a difficult year for so many people, but especially for, as you point out, our small business owners, uh, we're just starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, I believe. Um, COVID-19 trends here in Wisconsin are very positive the last four, five, six weeks. Everything's trending the right way, trending down. We're starting to see, uh, although I will grant you, it's it's been a slow, slow rollout by the Evers administration, but we're now starting to see the vaccine make its way into the general population. But here with this decision to tax these PPP loans, you could literally see in April, May, June, when uh, when when we we turn our attention to paying our taxes, you could literally see this be the nail in the coffin for 90,000 90, business, small businesses in Wisconsin. Brad, what am I? What am I missing? <laughs> yeah, it, it was WEDC, the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation. They even said back in the summertime. This is after those PPP loans had been rolling out. They even said, in spite of all of this, they expect that twenty to thirty percent of Wisconsin businesses could close as a result of this pandemic. And by the way, it's not just—it's not the pandemic. It's the government's response to it. Yeah. It's Governor Evers coming and shutting down, telling people you cannot open your business because you're not deemed essential. So, um, so, so that's what's happening. That's the ramifications of it. Uh, and, and the crazy thing here is that the federal government gave this lifeline, these PPP loans, what I, in, in effect, we, the taxpayers provided this relief to keep these businesses open under the pretense that is if they kept their employees on, and that's great for everybody. It's great for the employee and their families. It's great for the state because if you're getting an income, you're paying income tax on it. You're buying things that create sales taxes. For the state of Wisconsin now to come out and say, we're going to raid $457 million out of these small businesses. And you're right, many of these, they've spent this money already. They've spent it. And, and by, oh, by the way, they've seen what Washington, they're just assuming that the state of Wisconsin is going to follow the federal government on this they come on the day of reckoning on April 15th and file their taxes and recognize that collectively these 90,000 businesses are out $457 million, uh, they're going to be furious and rightfully so. It's, 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 it's insidious is what it really is. So SB2, uh, there's still a vehicle, there's still a possibility that uh, this decision by the Evers administration could be overturned just like it was out in D.C. Uh, SB2 is making its way through the, the legislative process. If listeners are uh, wanting to make their voice heard, um, they should call Governor Evers' office and let them know what they think about this decision? Absolutely. Call Governor Evers and say, not on our backs. Not on our backs. Give this money back. And it's not a let me. It's not even giving money back to businesses. The Wisconsin we don't have money. This is money that we're going to take from small businesses. Four hundred fifty-seven million dollars when their taxes come due this April fifteenth. So my position is, 
in the position that I hope the legislature adopts is one of we're not going to tax our small businesses to death more than they already have been. Well, on behalf of all the uh, small business owners out there, I want to say thank you to you for bringing this uh, to everyone's attention because as you point out, uh, this has not received any uh, uh, attention from the mainstream media. So kudos to you for for uh, bringing this forward and good luck in your in your work uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I would like to turn our attention to uh, some other things uh, in the news. Uh, speaking of the legislature, uh, just last night uh, there is a resolution that has been introduced that looks like in both the Senate and the Assembly that would essentially uh, overturn Governor Evers' recent public health emergency announcement and his mask mandate. Uh, could you talk to our listeners a little bit about that efforts and where you think it might go here in the coming weeks? Absolutely. So um, Governor Evers has the power, or he had the power, to do some extraordinary things. Um, there were quite extraordinary powers, actually, uh, to in, in what he did this last spring and what he's continued to do throughout the year on on taking away uh, people's constitutional rights, I would argue, and making it very difficult for these businesses, struggling businesses, to survive through his stay-at-home orders. And the way our process works is we grant the governor powers in a time of emergency. Um, I think if you took a historical context to this, you would say, you know, a century ago, when you didn't have an adequate transportation system and probably communication system, uh, and the legislature came in in brief periods to convene to take up legislation. I think they wanted to give governors the ability to make sure that that uh, uh, they could implement temporary changes in the absence of a legislature. So we've given a governor 60 days by which he can declare these emergency declarations unless the legislature, to extend it, it takes the consent of that full legislature. We are coming in... Um, and we're going to, with this resolution you mentioned, we're going to rescind the governor's emergency declaration. And that emergency declaration is what all of these other executive orders, like the mass mandates and, and his things relating to uh, businesses, these are all built off of this emergency declaration. So we're going to rescind that emergency declaration. Um, and I think it's important that we do it just on constitutional grounds. The governor can't do this. He's not a dictator. He doesn't have dictatorial powers. And if he wants to, if there are areas that he wants to continue um, in, to, to apply statewide uh, standards to, he can do that if he comes to the legislature, makes his case, and the legislature consents to that. So what you're going to see when we come in, and potentially as early as next week, uh, in rescind this emergency declaration, uh, will be um, putting back the checks and balances which are so essential for a republic to endure. Um, and you said that uh, it could be as early as next week when the Senate adjourn, uh, convenes on the on the floor to consider this resolution. Yeah, I think so. I think we have floor period scheduled next week, and then we do in February. Um, I don't think those calendars have been have been set yet, but um, but yeah, I think it potentially could be as early as next week. Okay. Wow, that's a quick movement. 
Um, and then, and then finally, um, just want to get your thoughts. Um, the problems uh, with the Evers administration's plan on the vaccine distribution are, are well documented, uh, even though we have known for some time, many, many weeks, that a vaccine was coming. Uh, it seems like the Evers administration has been slow on all the work needed to determine, one, who's going to be eligible for the vaccine, but then, two, how they're going to distribute that vaccine to, to those populations and to the general population. Uh, just yesterday, it, uh, the CDC ranked Wisconsin 48th out of all of the states in terms of their vaccine rollout. Any thoughts, comments on where Wisconsin stands on its vaccine rollout? Yeah, well, I, I think I agree with what the CDC is saying right there <laughs> because I hear I hear from, from folks in my area, and it's atrocious. You're right. They've had since last June. I mean, we've known from the beginning that we were going to be working on a vaccine. And then Operation Warp Speed comes along, and we know that we've got several companies pushing these things. Um, so you can't say that the administration was caught off guard in December when the federal government and Trump finally unveiled uh, a couple of workable vaccines. I mean, we've known for at least a half a year that this was coming, and we still don't know, Brad. The governor has still not released the full plan to the people of Wisconsin. They do it in chunks. So if you're on, if you're in the 1A or the 1B, you know now, but he hasn't re- revealed the whole plan to Wisconsin. Why? Why isn't that out there? Why can't I tell my truck drivers where they are in line here to get this? And I think it's because they're making it up as they go. So I'm calling on the governor, and I know other legislators are too, to fully lay out what his plan is so that we can look at that. And the important thing is it allows us to provide accountability to him and raise questions and concerns with what he has to make changes uh, before it's too late. So we are behind the eight ball here. This is on the governor. You know, the coronavirus coming here was not anyone's fault. That just was something in the powers way over in in Asia. That that was something outside of our control. But it is here now. We've fought it. We've created a vaccine that can protect our people from it to build that herd immunity. Everything right now on rolling that out, this is on the governor if he can't release his plan to the people of Wisconsin. And I think just the numbers themselves for people are astounding. And again, this is not MacGyver numbers. These numbers come directly from DHS. Um, we've Wisconsin has received 779,000 vaccine shots. And to date, this is literally just yesterday, to date, we have fully vaccinated 45,638 and it just yeah. raises the question, what happened to the hundreds of thousands of vaccine shots that apparently have not been distributed or used to date? And uh, I think if uh, if more people knew about how few of the 779,000 shots were actually administered, I think they'd be outraged. Um, uh, are right, you hearing so. from your constituents uh, oh, questions absolutely. about... Absolutely. Just before we uh, went together here on this phone call, um, I had a business owner reach out to me, um, and and it's all I hear about. I mean, these guys, 
they want to get back to work. And the amount of time lost because of COVID, because of people on COVID protocols, because they might have been exposed. I mean, these businesses are small businesses. I'm not, but you know, the, the big box they can, the big box stores can deal with this. But these small businesses that just have a handful of employees, this has been detrimental. And it's a, it is, it is nothing but probably a wing and a prayer that they've been able to endure now. Uh, these these almost year that we've been into this. It's imperative that we get this vaccine rolled out as quickly as possible. And that's why we're going to hold the governor accountable. I want to know his plan in its entirety so that when we look at it, we can provide the accountability in the vetting to make sure that the people of Wisconsin will receive this as quickly as possible. Well, Senator Roth, I want to thank you again for joining us on the podcast, um, and we hope that you will come back and uh, keep us updated on your efforts, especially when you uh, when you talk about uh, overturning this decision by the Wisconsin Department of Revenue to tax the PPP loans. Uh, thank you again, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. Thanks, Brent. Appreciate it. Thank you.